Well, good morning. Great to be together with you. I'm here this morning just to stir you up to faith and good works. I'm here this morning just to share my passion for Jesus. And Bernie and I just love him. We trust that this morning that something of our experiences and our journey would encourage you. As I say, my, my, my desire this morning is to stir you up and to recognize you, the body of Christ, the church of God, the people of God, here to impact and to touch this region and other regions as well. So if I could just stir you this morning, I just want to trust that there would be an impartation of life, that the Spirit of God would come and encourage you, and uh, that you could identify with who you are in Christ, and what He's wanting to do in and through you, no matter who you are. Bernie and I are just ordinary people who've had the, the, the delight and the joy of being able to do some extraordinary things because of God. And so we want to just share that with you this morning. We want to share our love for Jesus. We want to share our experiences in Him. And in the trust that at the end of this, that God would have done something in your heart and life to encourage you, to inspire you, for you to recognize that each and every one of you have a plan and a purpose in God to make a difference in the world and to make a difference in your own life as well. Now, if I can tell you a little story, uh, just to help you to open up your eyes. So, you, if you, are you an observant group? You can you see things? You recognize things? So let me tell you this little story. And it's a story about Sherlock Holmes and Watson. You know, the old character, Sherlock Holmes, the, um, what was he, a detective. Sherlock Holmes, the detective, and his friend Watson. So they decide to go camping, and they go on this camping trip. And after dinner, they sit around a little bit around the campfire, and then they go off to bed. And some hours later, Sherlock Holmes wakes up, and he nudges his friend uh, Watson, and he says, Watson, look up at the sky and tell me what you see. So Watson says, I see millions of stars. So Sherlock says, well, what does that tell you? So Watson thought for a minute, and then he said, astronomically, it tells me that there's millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astronomically, I observe Satan is with Leo. Horologically, I can see that God is all-powerful and that we are small and insignificant. Meteorologically, I suspect that it will be a beautiful day tomorrow. But what does it tell you, Holmes? So Sherlock Holmes was silent for a few seconds. Then he says, my dear Watson, somebody stole in our tent. <laughs> now, so often as Christians, what we do is we go on this journey and we get so complacent that we, don't, we miss some of the most beautiful and wonderful things that God has done and is doing in and through us. And so that little illustration this morning is to say, to, to, to ask the question, what do you and I need in the life of a believer that is most imperative and important? What is it that you and I need on this journey in Christ, on this, in this broken planet? You know, 1 John 5, 19 says, the whole world is in the power of the evil one. It's broken, and yet God has placed us here. He's identified us. He's equipped us. He's empowered us to make a difference. And so what is it that we need? And I want to suggest this morning, the first thing I was doing as I was uh, worshiping here this morning, I was just thinking to recognize you, to acknowledge you, to say, God, I praise God for these people. I praise them in this community. I praise them in this church. I think of the scripture in, in Ephesians 3.10, that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known through you and through me, the body of Christ. 
The manifold wisdom of God is made known. And sometimes we think, well, who am I in the greater scheme of things? I want to just encourage you this morning, and I trust I can inspire you on through faith and good works. So what is believed? What is, what, is, what is needed in the life of the Christian? I want to suggest to you this morning that it is to know God. Not to know about Him, but to know Him. To passionately journey with Him. And I'm going to show, share some of that with you this morning. To know Him. But the other d- danger, I believe, in us Christians is that we are very result-orientated. I mean, you listen to our prayers. We're always asking for something. When, when, when perhaps there would be t- opportunities for us to speak to God and say, God, this situation has arisen. We're asking you, Lord, for your perfect will to unfold in this thing. Instead of to say, I want this, 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 what we do is we're very needs-oriented. And when those needs are not met, then we begin to question God. We say, why God? Why this? Why that? Etc. And you notice throughout Scripture, God never answers that question. He never answers the why. And so for us as believers, the question is, what now, Lord? What do I do now? So we must be very careful that not everything that we do is result-orientated. If our prayers are just, God, I want you to do this and this and this and this, actually, we're, we're taking away something of the opportunity for God to do wonderful and miraculous things in our hearts and lives. And so, right in the beginning, Adam and Eve, their challenge that they face is exactly the same challenge that you and I face every single day of our lives. Do we believe that God is who he is, who he says he is, and that he will do what he says he will do? Adam and Eve didn't do that. They fell back, and of course, their journey was a horrific one. And so this morning, the question is, will you believe God? I want to take us from the place of belief to conviction. That's the, my message this morning, belief and conviction. From belief to conviction, and I'm going to sh- share with you the difference there. And Bernie and I have uh, noticed that in our own lives. And are we able to trust God even when it seems that he is absent? And that's the journey we're going to go on this morning. So let me just share a little bit of our history. Bernie and I, we, uh, we've been married just for just over 50 years now. Uh, I, I got saved in 1973, a little, Bernie a little bit before me. Uh, my salvation was a, a, a miracle. I came into a church similar to this. I wasn't looking for God. I came to humor my wife, and uh, God just called me. I had a miraculous transformation as I said uh, when I stood up in the front there and the the preacher said so do you want to give your life to Jesus I said that's all I want I don't want any of this other stuff I literally said that to him and he laid his hands on me and my conversion was radical over 50 odd years ago and Bernie and I have just been on this journey of of, of walking with Christ and to this morning I trust that we can give you some of the shortcuts that we had to go through some of the we went on the long journey if I can just encourage you this morning to, to live out this Christ life is to seek God and to, uh, to develop the, the ability and the character for God to be able to use you to make an impact, not only in your own life, but in others. And so we were born in Zimbabwe. I was born back in 1949, if you can count that far back. And uh, we got married in 1973. We've got two children. We've got four grandchildren. Uh, we went, there are probably Zimbabweans in this room this morning, we went through a horrific war. Back in the 70s, through the 70s, we were very involved in that thing. And then in, uh, at the end of 1970, just after independence, in the early 80s, uh, Bernie and I were virtually driven out of Zimbabwe. We had a very bad experience. Somebody wanted to shoot my family. And so we came out of Zim. And we came out with, uh, with, with nothing. We, we lived on 
in Zimbabwe, they had Cashel Valley baked beans. We lived on those things for six months. I used to walk the six kilometers to, to work. Uh, in Zimbabwe, I'd been a magistrate up there, so I'd, I came from that to being a little pleb down here, and I joined the school leavers uh, on the mines, uh, trying to find work in that. And so throughout all of that journey, we continued to trust God. On my first salary check down here, we tithed on that. And it was, you know what it's like when you've got very little money and you do need to give God something. You think, God, you really need this. I think I need it more than you. But we continue to, to do that. And then ultimately, I got promotion in work. We went into Johannesburg. I uh, went into full-time ministry, Bernie and I, in 1990. Uh, we did four years in a church in Johannesburg. Then 94, we planted out a church in Kempton Park in Johannesburg. Led that for six or seven years, and then the Lord was calling us back to Zimbabwe. And we went back there in 2000. Uh, just before that, what had happened is the Zimbabweans had stripped us of our citizenship. Uh, I don't know how they can do that, because that's our birthright, but anyway, they took it away. So when we went back there, we had to apply for work and uh, residence permits, and uh, they turned us down. It's a long story. Uh, Bernie's actually got a book, not so much on our story, but on the, on the faith of the Zimbabweans and the men and women who, like yourselves, who made a difference in that nation and are making a difference today. Anyway, the long story is we sort of, uh, we planted a church in Harare. We then planted another one down in a place called Cherezi. Uh, we led them sort of a bit undercover for eight odd years. Then we got caught. At the end of that, we got thrown out of the country. And uh, so today, this is where we, we are. But in that journey, in trusting God, in not, in not presuming to know the answers on all of those things, in trusting God in all of these things. We have seen God deliver us miraculously so many times. Uh, there's so many illustrations we've got of the provision of God and the protection of God. I was uh, helping a farmer get off his land that he was being driven off. We were there 3 o'clock in the morning. We had snuck in there to try and help him get off. And the next minute, this crowd came around us with pangas and AKs. And how God delivers you through that thing. How God provided for us when there was no food in the shops. There was no fuel. And we've got story after story to tell you of God's miraculous provision. But it's not presuming on God. It's loving Him and following Him and serving Him and being obedient to His Word. To become Christ-like in the way that we live, in our actions. When we went up to Zimbabwe, the two things we made a decision to do. The one was not to lie, and the second one was never to bribe. Now those are your passports to to get through the day in Zimbabwe, both of those. Uh, we were there for nearly eight years, and not once did we lie. We didn't, uh, we didn't lie at all, and we never bribed to get out of a city. We've sat at roadblocks for hours on end while the guy was waiting for a bribe. We sat and we sat, and eventually they got sick and tired of us and let us go. We never once compromised on, on what we believed. We've never paid at the border to get through the border. We joined the queue with the many others there. They don't have the opportunity. Just we've done our best to serve God with integrity and all of those kind of things. And God delivered us. We've, we've, we've been stopped many different times. We, we had to sneak in different borders. We had to fly and drive in, go to different borders because we were illegal in the country for, for so long. And God, my friends, if, if you will, this morning, as believers in Christ, if you will see your identity in Christ, I'm an ordinary person like you are. I have no great courage. I'm no different to you except I know Jesus I don't just know about him. I know him. I love him with a passion. I've experienced his goodness. And that's you and I this morning, friends, as we get to know him and we begin to experience him. So there's this a picture of the, of the early church in Zimbabwe with all the people waving flags. Now, that wasn't our normal church service. It was a celebration taking place. 
But here was this group of believers living in Zimbabwe in a very difficult situation. And yet each and every one of those, those people were making a difference in the community in which they lived. They are men and women of faith. And when you and I face hardship, you begin to find how the body of Christ comes together. People from South Africa used to bring us cooking oil, two liters of cooking oil. We would decant it into 750 milliliter bottles and then share it with our friends. If they came with a a box of six long life milk, we kept one and we gave the other five away. My friends, that when we begin to live out the Christ life like that, the provision of God, the protection of God, it's the most amazing thing is when you and I are generous the way that God would want us to be, God has got something to work with. And I want to encourage you this morning to rise up in your faith, to become the men and women of God that he's called you to be, to make, to make a vast difference in the communities in which you live. So we're going to just talk this morning about this thing of conviction. Now, you could, um, you could change the word conviction to faith. The problem with the word faith has been used so often if I said to you faith, many people are going to see it through different glasses. So this morning I want to use the word conviction. You'll see that it's very similar to faith. But I want to use the word conviction. So conviction means something that I will stand on. Something that I will believe. Something that I will trust for. Something that is without question for me. You think of the three Hebrew boys in the, in the book of Daniel when they were uh, told to bow down before the idol of Nebuchadnezzar. You may remember the story. Uh, you remember them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's easy to remember the names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yoshek, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, Meshach, Yoshek, and a bungalow. It's easy to remember their names. So these three boys were told to bow down before this idol. And they refused. And they said, well, we're going to throw you into the fire. They said, our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, now there's conviction. You see, we don't fully understand why they had to be thrown into the fire. We would th- for us, we would say, God, deliver us. My God will deliver us. And yet they went through the fire. And yet when they went through the fire, they didn't smell of any smoke, and there was a fourth person in there with them, and it was Jesus. And so as you and I have this conviction in God, if we, if we know him, we may not fully understand why things happen. We don't, may not fully understand why we're in the place that we are in at the moment. But if you and I will trust him, for he is faithful and true, he's our justifier, he's our redeemer, he's our savior. And if we will stand on that, no matter the circumstances, no matter not understanding why things have happened. We've been through a war, horrific. We've lost a child, terrible. I've had cancer, unbelievable. And yet in all of that, I stand before you this morning with the conviction in my heart that all things will work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. I don't understand the all things. I don't understand why they all happen. Why I, a preacher of the Word of God, had to get cancer. I don't understand. But if I got stuck on that question of why all of the time, I would never have been anywhere else, and I would have been bitter and twisted. So what does conviction look like? I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures. Some will appear on the board, some won't. The first one is not on, but in Acts 4.29, where Peter and John, they've just healed a man at the gate, beautiful. And then they get called before the Sanhedrin, which is the authority, the religious authority in that day. And they are told never to preach again in the name of Jesus. They rebuked, and they, when they are released, this is what happens to them in, in Acts 4.29-31. 
It says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants the ability to speak your word with all boldness, whilst you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Can you see here they've just been rebuked and told never again to preach in the name of Jesus? They go back to a group of believers like us and said, Guys, we've been in some trouble. But are we going to believe God or man? Let's trust God to enable us to preach His word, to continue to preach His word. And they pray, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. That's conviction. That's good. That we, Lord, we're going to trust you. We're going to believe you in and through this thing. Jeremiah 20 verse 9, I think there's a scripture on that one. It's a beautiful scripture. Bernie and I fight about whether the Lord wrote this for, you, for her or for me. I really do think it's mine. And I've got the microphone, so I declare it. And it says this, If I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I'm weary with holding it in, and I cannot. Thank you. So there's conviction, isn't it? There's this, this, this passion inside of us. This desire just to share something of Christ. And that's what God has put inside you and I. Is if you've de- made Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, filled with the Spirit of God, my friends, you, 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 you're ministers of the gospel of Christ. And here this thing just wills up within us. I cannot. Donnie and I were turkey, talking earlier. I'm 73 now, going on to 74. And I'm well past my sell-by date. But man, you cannot stop me preaching this word declaring the, the goodness of God and the favor of God. Why? It's because there's a fire burning within each and every one of us. My friends, it's in you. You may not sense it this morning, but I'm going to stir you up to faith and good works. I'm going to, I'm going to help you to say, God, thank you for touching my heart and my life. And thank you, Lord, in whatever way it is, whatever gifts that God has given you, whether it's just serving somebody else or praying for somebody else or being generous to somebody else or whatever it is, the one another's of Scripture, God wants to use you, and He wants to make a difference. Conviction. So what does it look like to the believer, and how do we live in it? Now, there's a story of Charles Blondin. Uh, some of the older folk may remember the story, but he was a tightrope walker. Remember these guys that string a line? You used to see them in the circus, and they used to walk with a big pole along the way. Remember that? You know them? Tightrope walker. So what he did, true story, is he strung a line across the Niagara Falls which is, uh, I th- can't remember how long it is. It was like a kilometer in, in width, this thing. Strung a line across there. And then he said to the people who were gathered there, do you believe that I can walk across this? And they said, yes, we do. You know, some of them said, some of them said no, but some said, yes, we do believe. So Blondin got on this thing and he walked across the Niagara Falls with this cable. Then when he gets to the other side, he says to the people there, he says to them, do you believe that I can uh, cross this uh, um, this line here across the Niagara Falls. And of course, they've just seen it. So they say, yes, we believe. So then he gets a wheelbarrow with a little groove in it and he puts it on the cable and he said, okay, they, now climb in the wheelbarrow, I'll take you across. Now that's the difference between belief and conviction. Conviction is to say, I'm going to get in that wheelbarrow. Belief, James tells us, even the demons believe. So conviction, and that I think this morning is what the Lord is driving home for us today, is that can we move from that place of belief to the place of conviction? 
that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. Michael Eaton once, uh, sort of teacher of the word, he's passed on now. But he said when things are going wrong, they're probably going right in a funny sort of way. It's almost like a scripture that uh, all things will work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, we don't understand why these things are going wrong or, or why we get cancer or whatever it is. But if we will trust him with conviction, if we will believe God, say, Lord, I don't understand what is going on. We don't, we don't, there's a scripture in Thessalonians, give thanks in all things. That doesn't mean give thanks for what is taking place, but give thanks in what is taking place. That's conviction. And that, my friends, I believe is what God is, is, is moving us to. We prayed for our nation a little bit earlier on. It's in big trouble. But you and I, filled with the Spirit of God, men and women of God, we are the ones that God is calling to make a difference. Ephesians 3.10, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is being made known to principalities and powers and municipalities and, and political parties and all of them. Through the church, the manifold. Come, my friends. God has ordained for you as a child of the living God to rise up and become the people that he wants you to be. I'm proud of you. I recognize you this morning. As a people of God, rise up. Don't, don't submit to all of the pressures of that. And we're going to have a quick look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 5 to 7. And I'll just bring it together for, with that, and then we'll begin to close. So I think it's, uh, it's like going to be on the screen as well. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. What I want to do is just bring some ingredients out of that in terms of what does this conviction look like. So that says, because our gospel came to you, not only in word, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. You know what kind of men and women we proved to be among you for your sake? And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you, be, you, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Archaea. Let's just draw a few things out of that, talking about moving from disbelief to conviction. The first thing I want to highlight, we can keep that up there, is it says, because our gospel... Our gospel. So it doesn't mean that we're just a little exclusive sect here and there's another church down the road with another gospel. No, this is our gospel. We're possessive about this word. This is my word. This is for me and it's for you and for all of us. This is our gospel. So there's something of depth in the word of God. We see in Thessalonians as well, which we'll get to now. There's power in the sea. There's inherent power in this word. That all you and I have got to do is we've just got to share this word. And there's inherent power that is imparted through the word of God. So our gospel. So the first thing is that we are men and women of the word of God. We love this word with a passion. And it is through this we begin to understand who God is and what he is like. So we need to be a people of the word. You need to engage the word as often as you can. Daily if, if possible. I, so much I want to share with you this morning. But... But the Word of God, to be men and women of the Word. Uh, don't, let me just get this off my chest. So often what happens is we try to read the Word of God as a, as, a, as a duty. So just before we go to work, we read through it and try to get through it, or we try to get through the, the, the whole Bible in a year or whatever it is, and we may miss a few days, and then we've got to quickly go back and quickly read through it to catch up and tick the boxes. No, my friends, we want to get into this Word. And whether you're stuck on one verse for a day, or whether you've read a chapter of a day, it becomes part of you. It becomes your very life. It has meaning for you. So we are men and women of the Word of God. Filled with the Word of God. It's our gospel. 
Can you say that this morning? This is my gospel. It's mine. It's, I'm possessive about this thing. Nobody's going to take it away from me. But also in power and in the Holy Spirit. And so that is being subjected just to the infilling of the Spirit of God on a daily basis. To walk up every, wake up every morning, oh Lord, thank you for, uh, for, for this beautiful day that you've provided for me, Lord. Thank you for the opportunities that you've created in it for me, Lord. Thank you, Spirit of God, that you will fill me today. Lord, that you'll give me your toolbox, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that I may speak words of wisdom or words of life or gifts of healings or any of those things, Lord God. Thank you this morning, Lord God. Fill me, fill me, fill me. We like uh, uh, drains with a plug pulled out. We leak every day. Come, Lord, this morning. Fill me again with your Holy Spirit. And so it says here, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. That, is, that moves us from a place of belief to a place of conviction. When you and I experience this, the, the working of God in and through our lives, I'd love to share with you some of the testimonies of the goodness of God, the provision of God, the miraculous that took place when we had nothing, when we were in danger of our lives, how God saw us through, and our friends. It's just God is faithful, my friends. And the reason for many of us not experiencing the, the miraculous of God is because we're stuck in one little place and we're not doing anything for Him. It's when you and I give Him something to work with that we begin to experience those things. The conviction comes in the power uh, of the Holy Spirit. Then conviction comes believing in the sovereignty of God. Now, for me, that's a, that's a biggie. In other words, what that basically means is that, God, I don't understand this planet. I don't understand so much that is going on or the reasons why some of those things are happening. But, my God, I'm going to put my trust in you implicitly. And there's so many illustrations in Scripture of, of things that happen to believers. And they kept saying to Jesus, Jesus, why? You notice he never answers those questions. What he does do, though, is he said, now let's sort this out. What now? Not why. You're not going to answer all of those questions. We're not going to find a lot of the answers to the questions that we have. And if you're in a hole at the moment, the thing is to trust God. He say, God, I just depend on you right now. I grab you, Lord, and I'm going to hold on to you. And I'm going to trust you, Lord, to deliver me in and through this thing. I don't know how you're going to do it. Not prescribing necessarily to God. I don't know how you're going to do this, Lord. But I'm going to trust you, my friends. I guarantee that God will deliver you. And it may not be quite the way that you expect it to happen. But God is faithful and true. Rise up, Christian. Become the man and woman of God that he's called you to be. Live out the Christ life. I'm getting a bit distracted here. Just to be men and women, conviction of who God is. As I say, many things have happened in our life that I, one day when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, Lord, why? Why did my young son die, Lord? I don't understand that. I've wrestled with God over that thing. I wept, I cried, I accused him. And eventually I realized I wasn't getting an answer to that thing. But so, Lord, you know better than I. And I know one day I'm going to stand in heaven with that little boy. Bernie and I will stand and we say, hi, Ryan. Mom and Dad, back there on planet Earth. Lord, we've got an eternity together with you now, my son. You see, we don't understand some of these things, man, but we can trust God. He is good, he is faithful, and he is true. There's a lovely thing just to, to talking about conviction in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. And if you can put up that picture of the, the garden. This, uh, the, I'm going to read the scripture, Philippians 3, verse 8. We begin to land now, now. It said, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ 
Jesus. That is our mission. That is our goal. If we want to learn how to, how to love him, we don't see him. Often we don't hear him. We, we see how he works in our lives, but the, the, he's not visible. And yet there's so many ways that we come to know God through his word, through one another, through looking at his attributes, and looking at the universe, looking at creation, and all of those things. We need to be proactive in discovering who this precious Lord and Savior is. I count everything as a loss because of the sporting worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So conviction, this conviction that we speak about this morning, for you to, 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 um, to mature in your faith, comes from living out the Christ life. It's being proactive. I'll just give you a quick little story. This is a, a picture of the uh, Zimbabwean scene. It's a, a, a scene that took place at a place called Rapangora. Some of you may know that. That farmer and his wife, in their 60s, had been kicked off their farm. The long story leading up to that, they'd been there for, for many, many years. And they basically lost everything. When you, got, when, you have to, when you left your farm, you weren't allowed to take anything except what was in your house. No equipment, no pipes, no pumps, no tractors, nothing. They had to stay behind. And uh, this couple, Devil and Wendy Brown, invited us to come to their farm to have a Thanksgiving service. And so we arrived there early. And when I arrived there, I saw this uh, gardener. He was mowing the lawn. And just around the corner of that pump house there, there's a, a rose garden, and he had a hose pipe watering the roses. Now, I thought to myself, this is most unusual that Neville and Wendy would be uh, still employing this garden boy when they're leaving tomorrow, which this was a Saturday. They were leaving on the Sunday. Now, if it had been me, I would have let him go a month or two beforehand, and whether the weeds grew up wouldn't really matter. And so I took a photograph of the gardener mowing the lawn. That's a live photograph going back over 20-odd years now. And then we had this most moving uh, service uh, in the lounge that gathered a few friends around, and this old couple knelt in the middle of the lounge, and they go, gave God thanks for the 20-odd years that he had given them, now listen to this, to steward the land. So I didn't speak about ownership. You see, when you think this is mine, 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 and you lose it, something happens in the heart here with bitterness and unforgiveness and all of those things. And so they, they knelt there and they prayed. And they said, Lord, thank you. And they gave, began to give God praise and thanks for the 20-odd years they'd had there. Over lunch that day, the son-in-law said to him, Dad, let's just take out the ceiling fans and the air conditioners. And he said to me, he said to them, and when I asked Neville, I said to him, why is your garden boy still gardening? He said, God gave us this farm over 20-odd years ago to steward. We're going to steward this to the best of our ability until the moment that we leave here. Now, that couple, when they had to get off their farm, well into their 60s, there was never any bitterness in their life. There was never, never anything that held them back. And my friends, they lived a fruitful and a good life after that. Many others who'd come through that situation sat here with that bitterness and hatred in their hearts. It destroyed them. So God is calling us to, to live out this Christ life, to live out in obedience to the way that he has called us to live. If you look at the early church, what did they look like? They were a counterculture to the, to the world in which we live. We're not, a, we're, not, we're not different. We live in the world, and therefore we need to make an impact in it. But those early Christians, they didn't go to bloodthirsty gladiatorial games, and they were considered to be antisocial. They were against abortion and infanticide. In those days, if you didn't want your child, you left him outside to die. Christians were against that. They were, they were inclusive in their, their interaction. They were cross-cultural. 
They cared for everybody. They were against same-self practice. They were absolutely radical for the poor and generous to a fault to the poor. They mixed their races and classes, and they saw Christ as the only way to salvation. Here was this group of people, like you and like I, called by God to make a difference in the community in which they lived and in the nation in which they lived. Our nation is in trouble, my friends. Are you going to live out this Christ life? Are you going to live it out with conviction? Believing God and making a difference wherever you can. Touching a life here, touching a life there, wherever you can. Nobody in those days had ever seen a group of people like that who had those values and those practices and policies. What if there was a group of people today that lived out that Christ life? That's what God has called us to be. And you're qualified. I'm, I'm proud of you. I want to encourage you this morning. I, I, I've, I've followed something of the history of this church too. We, we're proud of you, folk. Rise up and become the people that God wants you to be. And admittedly, each and every one of us are, are battling through issues. We don't negate those things. We don't minimize those things. But if you and I will stand together, if we will become one in Christ, and if we will get out there and just live out this Christ life with a conviction, not just a belief, but a conviction that God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. My friends, your life and I will change. Let's just have that last picture up there. It says there, Christianity without shoes on is not worth very much. And so you and I have to live out our faith. The greatest purpose that we can have is in the service of Christ. We find our value and our purpose in Him and in what we do for Him. Whilst giving time for the many other pursuits of life, for the Christian, our focus and drive must surely be as servants and lovers of the Most High God. To be lovers of God and to be ministers of reconciliation. I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know many. In fact, I don't know all of you except two people in this room. But I want to tell you that I, there's something in me that tells me that we're proud of you, that we honor you this morning. We rejoice in what call, God has called you to and what God has called you for. May you rise above the situations you find yourself in without making little of those things. Many of us are struggling through really difficult things. But above and beyond that, God has called us for a purpose to make a difference in each other's lives, stand together strong, honor one another, love one another, develop the attributes that Christ has called us to live, of love and long-suffering and all of those things. But I want to honor you folk this morning. I To see this church planted here in this massive city with all that is taking place and even threatening to take place tomorrow and the days that follow my friends rise up and be the people that God wants you to be can I pray with you I'd love to just pray with you this morning father I rejoice over these people this morning I thank you for them lord there's something in me lord that wants to inspire them there's something in me lord that wants to lift them up there's something in me lord that that cries out to you father to help them to take the scales off their eyes and to see who they are in Christ and all that you've done for them and all that you have for them. Bless these people, Lord. For those that are wrestling through different situations, Father, I thank you, Lord, for breaking through in their lives, for healing to manifest, Lord. Father, may we see the miraculous. Sometimes we're blind even to the miraculous. But, Father, bless these people. Bless this church. For Donnie and Renell, Lord, I lift these servants, your servants up, Lord. Those who've journeyed long in the faith, the warriors in the faith. 
Strengthen them, Lord. Encourage them. Father, let them and together with this people make a difference. I pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, as we, we learn to differ between belief, which is often complacent and, and static, to a place of conviction where we believe who you are and that you will do what you will say you will do. That we will be those, Jesus, as you take us on that tightrope walk, that we will be those that are sitting in the wheelbarrow because we are convinced that you will do what you say you will do. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Donnie. Uh, one of the things I love about this guy and his wife is the fact that they're willing to um, pioneer into difficult situations just following what, what God's calling them to do. And it's inspiring. You know, you sit there, even in our lounge yesterday, just chatting about some of the stories. We traveled to Zim those days when they were there and um, saw some of the challenges. But what I feel like just from what Ian said this morning is, you know, Ian, there must have been a number of times in your life where you felt that conviction of God to actually say, uh, um, you know, I'm calling you to something more than, than where you're at right now. And I, I, don't, I feel like there's a stirring this morning. Maybe Ian can pray for us, and maybe you can even respond to that by saying, you know what, Lord, I know that there's more that you have for my life. And maybe I'm a little bit like in that position where I'm not sure how things are going to work out or what I should do. But I want to say yes in my heart. There's a, there's a decision in my heart to say yes in faith to whatever it is that God's calling me to do. And I know many times in our own lives, we're the ones that say, Lord, for this reason, I can't right now. And for that reason, for this reason. And I'm not talking about that. I just feel like this morning... If God's put something in your heart and you just know it's a faith thing, God's calling me to more than what I'm living in right now. And it's only going to start by me saying yes in obedience and faith to God. I, want, I would love Ian to pray uh, for that specifically this morning. And maybe if that's you, if you could stand up right now so we know who he's praying for. And maybe Ian, you could just share a little bit on those moments in your life when you've had to to really in faith respond to God and and say yes to God. If that's you, why don't you stand right now? I'm standing. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, just for that more. I mean, there are many occasions in Zim where we, we realized there was more for us. We didn't really understand fully what that more was. But we knew in our hearts that there was something that more that we wanted. There was something that felt at that point in time to be unreachable. But there was a stirring, Lord, there is more to this than we are experiencing at the moment. There is more, Lord, that you have for us that we're asking you to unfold in our life and then equip us for what that more is. Father, I thank you for these people that stand here this morning. I uh, my friends, uh, even as I break into this prayer, just keep your eyes closed, but... But God this morning is very clearly wanting to encourage you and to inspire you and to open up your eyes to realize that he does have a more for you. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you, Lord, that you're stirring in the hearts of these men and women. This conviction that there is something more than that what they have at the moment, that they are unhappy in a sense of where they find themselves right now. And Lord, I lift each and every one of them up before you. 
I look out over this crowd, and I see that their different gifts, their different skills, their different personalities, their different characters here, and so there's not one that is the same. But you've called these people, Lord, to make a vast contribution to your work. And I lift them up before you, and I thank you, Lord, for your anointing. By the power of the Spirit of God, I pray over you this morning, Lord, anoint them, equip them, provide for them in this new call that you have for them, Lord. And something different, something more than that they have at the moment. I believe that there's a commissioning taking place right now. I honestly believe that there's an impartation of the very life of God in and through you to inspire and motivate uh, and call you to the more that God has for you this morning. So, Father, we release them into that today. I thank you, Lord, that this church, that these people will have a test me because they are men and women that have put shoes to their faith. They are men and women that have a conviction. So, Lord, bless them. Fill them with your spirit this morning, Lord. Anoint them for the plans and purposes that you have. Let them not, Lord, be like, uh, like Watson, who just sees the obvious. But, Lord, let them be men and women, Lord, that see the difference. And they make a difference to that difference. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, God bless you. It's such a tremendous privilege for Bernie and I to be with you this morning. And I, I don't know, my words are failing me this morning in terms of the encouragement that I have for you. I, in a, I don't know you, but I'm proud of you. I salute you. Uh, Bernie and I, we've been in the faith over 50 odd years now. But it means nothing. We're all on the same path. We're all on the same journey. We've still got lots to learn too. But something in me tells me this morning that I need to salute you. I need to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Continue. Rise up and become the men and women that God. Be convinced. Be convicted that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. And don't prescribe too often how God will do that. Just trust him in it. Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Great. So, um, Ian and Bunny are with us this afternoon as well at four. Uh, and uh, most of our baristas are on long weekends, so you're going to have to put up with my coffee-making skills. But God bless you. Let's hang around. Let's enjoy each other's company. Uh, Wawaka, it's great to see you guys here from town. Awesome to see you. Let's get to know them as well. They lead a church in town. Awesome. God bless you. We'll see you this afternoon. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs>